Welcome to the Next Issue Podcast. We're a group of friends that love talking comics and all that it entails. Uh, we're based out of Dallas, so you'll hear us talk about how these comics make up a part of our daily lives, including our local comic shop, conventions, and other forms of entertainment. Welcome. Move on to our main topic here. Um, so on today's episode, and this is also for our audio audience, hello there, um, we will be talking about our favorite faithful comic adaptations to other media. And let me, I guess, uh, and plus maybe some that we hate because it's also fun to dunk on things every once in a while, like Judge Dredd, 1995. <laughs> um, uh, maybe maybe the oh, second. Yeah, why did he make his mouth like look like that? He doesn't, I don't know. It's so fucking weird. Anyways, uh, so I know we have a lot of really cool things that have been adapted uh but i was talking to josh before we hopped on like i love the civil war movie but that's not an adaptation of the comic they just grabbed the title uh, <laughs> right <laughs> with, uh, and then i think the age of ultron they announced the movie before the series came out they just they did a series because the movie was coming out so yeah. so i don't want to talk about stuff that's not faithful uh, and i can kick us off and we, we can talk about a few things so I told the guys, guess how many Zack Snyder movies are in my in my pile? But we'll start with zero. Else. Actually, what I want to talk about is oh, the, I have three. I want to talk about uh, animated stuff first. So on my list, I had the Phoenix Saga was adapted into the X Men nineteen nineties cartoon. That's right. The best. That is the best, most faithful adaptation of that yeah. whole story. Because it allows it the time that it deserves. We've gotten two attempts of, at making a Dark Phoenix movie that are not bad. Shit. They're bad. They're shit. Uh, so Simon so, Kinsberg had two chances to tell a Dark Phoenix story. And yeah. the first one is really bad. The second one is worse. They're so bad, uh, Kyle left. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he'll be back. Um but yeah, it's just they don't. I mean, and I don't think I don't think it's fully their fault. I think the studio's like, oh, we want to do Dark Phoenix, but like, you can't. Any of those people should be able to tell, um, you know, anybody. Like, it doesn't work like that. Chris Claremont set up that story for like what two years in the comics. Yeah. Right. Which is why the X Men animated series, which you can watch it on uh, all, you can watch it all on uh, Disney, Disney Plus, Plus now, uh, before they they bring us the new one. Uh, and yeah, I, I went back, I checked out a few things and just like, they really go through the whole journey with Jean of like, you know, she meets mastermind and then he kind of starts messing with her head and, and she uses her Phoenix powers for, you know, for the good of the team, but then things start and turn and, and it really leads, I think the, the, the conclusion is a little bit different, but Jean does go away for a little while. Uh, but overall, like, I think that's some of the most faithful stuff. Um, so, so that was my first one. Mainly to kind of illustrate what we're going for here. So uh, let's go back to uh, let's go back to Josh, uh, and then we'll just kind of go around the horn as we talk about this. I am really interested to see you guys think about this. So we're doing most faithful and least faithful, right? Sure. Okay. <laughs> to me, <laughs> to me, the least faithful adaptation is Zack Snyder's Watchmen. No, oh, I disagree. Because I wanted to have this it, debate. 
I know, right? What it attempts to do is take something that is quintessentially a comic and basically just convert that into motion pictures. And it just, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work, right? I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying that it's, in doing that, it's unfaithful. Sorry, go, go ahead, Clint. No, no, no. He just doesn't understand the tone from the comics to the big screen. Like, he doesn't get that violence isn't the big be-all of this book. The, in fact, all the action sequences are in nine-grid panels. They're very small. Yeah. They aren't yeah. meant to be the story. But when you see the violence in Zack Snyder's Watchmen, it's just over the top. And it's full screen. It, you know, everything is done without much purpose, it seems like. You know, like like the sex scene is really fucking awkward. Like, I don't understand that whole thing because that's like not in the comic. I mean, there is a, there is a, wait, in the, in the owl ship? In the owl. Oh, wait, that does happen. That does happen. I'm it's sorry. in the comic. Yeah, 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 yeah. I keep thinking about the first time they have sex on the couch, you know? Oh, right, right, right. Moment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it, it just, it is a frame for frame adaptation of the comic page, but the tone is not there. Right. And, and that's that's kind of what I wanted to discuss, right? Too like there's there's definitely a difference. I think I think Zack Snyder is going for common. The the only thing that I, I don't agree with in in his take is making Rorschach so cool because yeah. he's not supposed to be right. He's, he's right. supposed to be the right. weird, crazy dude. Uh, I think I like the the approach to the Rorschach char- character and his his uh his book that he left behind more in the HBO show. I think yeah. that's more faithful to the original material. Yeah. But I think overall, like this is also just a commentary on what the movies and the comic the comic book movies were turning into in the nineties and two thousands. So yeah. it's it's his own it's his own take on that. So yeah, he's using the same story, but it's is to it, tell to, to give to us a different it, message. This adaptation is better than the original? No, no, I'm not saying that. I just think well, it's I, no, I, I am. Oh, you okay? Oh, oh, God! Good. I like you. I like you, Kyle. Hold on, let me move you up. <laughs> because see, here, here's the argument I was going to make, and I think to to, to Clay's here, point earlier, here's why. Because I like okay. what they did with Doctor Manhattan being the fucking point of why nuclear annihilation might happen if we don't take a different course than some stupid fucking octopus from space. I I, I do like that angle, but. If you see it coming from nowhere, like in the book, in the way that the artist and all the people who got together to right. create it, that to me, that gave it more purpose. Like they created the most realistic thing that they could from the minds of uh, these people that they end up killing at the end. Uh, well, and oh, I'm sorry, Clay, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I was, I was done. Well, and, and, and again, that's the thing about Watchmen the original needs to be a comic, right? Because the, the the big bad doesn't make sense because it's created by comic and pulp people. I mean, it's it's what happens if we took the people making this comic and let them literally create a devastating event. I mean, that's what occurs. Yeah. Um, my, my thing also about, and, and this goes, you said it so well, Clay, Watchmen, the original, is an indictment and a and a uh, a deconstruction of superheroes and violence. Right. 
And Snyder takes that and glorifies it. And it just, it's just, it's so problematic, which but, is but why. Think, oh, good, good. No, I, I think it's because at the time, that's what the movies were doing. Right. Which is fair. That's a good point. I, I had I had not thought of it that way before, right? Um, however, which is why, and I'm really curious that you guys think of this, the most faithful adaptation of Watchmen is the HBO show. And the reason why is because it's not retelling that story. It's taking the idea of deconstruction and the medium and running with it. And it is, which is why I like it so much more than Snyder's movie, because it's like, it's looking at what it, to me, the classic example is the episode towards the end where we get the backstory with Dr. Manhattan and um, I just blinked in her name. Um, Oh, yes. Thank you. Right. Because the way that that is told is emblematic of the type of con- conceptual approach that Morrison and um, uh, Gibbons play within the comic, but told in a way that works for the medium of. Oh yeah, I said Morrison. Shit, Morris, sorry, I know, I know. Wrong Brit. Wrong mage. Um, <laughs> wrong warlock. <laughs> wrong warlock. Uh, and plays with it in storytelling in using the medium of TV and film in a, in a conceptual way. Right. I mean, it just, it, it is more faithful, even though it is expanding on that world than what Snyder attempts to do in his movie. Yeah. And I feel like the show also uh, kind of had a commentary on Zack Snyder's film because when they would show the television adaptations, they would glorify the violence, which was not, what it was yes. about but they and, would show and, these action sequences of him jumping through like the grocery store window it was hooded hooded justice jumping yeah. through the window and just beating the fuck out of people violently yeah and that's or, not what it was about or or even um the 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 really really great episode where you get hooded justice's backstory as she's going through his like memories i mean yeah. and, and 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 also what what is brilliant about watching the show is rather than being a, a deconstruction and an indictment of superheroes it's a deconstruction indictment of race in america mm-hmm. it is i mean it's so it takes everything that made watchmen great and instead of just rehashing it and transferring it like snyder does it expands on it in new ways i would really and i i I don't know if he's ever talked about i would love to know what more thinks about watchmen the show because i feel like yeah same same i i I feel like he hopefully respects it more than any other adaptation tweets from his daughter that he hadn't really gotten around to watching it or i don't know if you know there's a there's a lot of story there which maybe we should cover at some point and then an issue like later on like just like there's a lot of really cool interviews that I've seen, especially, I don't know why they came up recently, but I've seen them on TikTok and then I looked at the full interview on YouTube. So, so maybe we should cover like Watchmen now and then and the whole thing of like more and, you know, DC and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting that from the same material, you can get two things that are so very different. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, and 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 that and also our definition of what we consider faithful, right? Are we being faithful to the message of the original book? Are we being faithful to the actual story, uh, and, and the look, the feel, all that? So very interesting. So I think we could talk about Watchmen all day, but we won't. Oh, yeah. No, we I'm could done. break the movie down, the book down, and go yeah. through scene by scene and talk about it. But like, I I, I do agree with Kyle with the way they pivoted uh, on. Dr. Manhattan. I love the opening uh, song and sequence that catches you up. Like there are a lot of great elements in Watchmen, yeah. but the tone of it is skewed and not and, and not on. If if you have four hours, watch the ultimate director's cut because they integrate back. It. They yeah. integrate the uh, the Black Freighter story back into. Mm-hmm. They weave it back into the into the, the movie. Yeah, uh, which is really good. Gerard Butler voices the the main pirate dude, which is cool. Uh, but so. but here but here's what's so strange is which I I do agree. I really I, I like that extended cut. Like if if I'm gonna watch any cut of the movie, yeah. it's gonna be that one. But you get all the Black Freighter stuff, and then it never it never ties in because you don't get the ending that's in the comic, that's which is that's, that's all essential to that, right? So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right, uh, Clay. What, what do you What do you have for us? You got anything? Well, let's you let's stay with Zack Snyder and go to three hundred all day, baby. We could. This is gonna be an all Snyder episode. For you. <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> I mean, you know, you you go from Watchmen where he doesn't quite get the the tone right to three hundred where he gets everything right. You know, it, it. This is a story about violence and war, and and that's what Zack Snyder does well. Like if you look at his action sequences and from other films, like what he gets is the violence, uh, right. And that's all 300 is. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the reason that the sequel prequel thing did not work out was because I don't think he was as involved, but, but yeah, just looking at, how do you do a sequel to 300? That's the fucking weirdest thing. Yeah. So it, it was a sequel prequel, right? Um, because it was like it gave you backstory before everything from the other point of view of this the the other army or whatever that and yeah. then 300 happens and then after that they catch up afterwards with after the army's been defeated it was an interesting concept i don't think it fully worked um but i do love evergreen so you know whatever but yeah this movie visually like it yeah. even it, it so much reflects what the what the original material uh, came from, and I think this is one of the reasons that they're like, "Oh, Zack Snyder's a comic book guy, right?" DC was yeah, like for looking at some of this stuff, and they're like, "Oh, he can do it," and and I think he can for certain books, probably, maybe not all of them, because because every the characters are very different all across DC comics. Yeah. Um, but you but can yeah, definitely find the great. panels that he mimicked straight out of the book into this film. Like, you know, the, all the, uh, the cliff where they're pushing all the warriors off and they're all falling to their death. He does it and he does it like right out of the comic. It's, it's just, uh, an image with just heavy black inks, the bodies falling. And that's all you see. All he's done is create motion within that panel. But again, it pays right. off. It's a good film. It's, it gets, it, it hits every note that it's supposed to. Has, yeah. has Zack Snyder never done a comic? Like what? Why is he not made comics? Is is my question? Yeah, I don't know. It probably he, doesn't pay as well. <laughs> he doesn't draw. I mean, he storyboards his own stuff, so he has at least a visual eye for it. We when he does the, well, when we were in lockdown, he was doing those watch alongs on on uh, 
Vero, the truest social platform out there. Uh, and and yeah, he was going through the storyboards like that he did himself. Um, so like, just I just want to show like some wow. of the art from 300, yeah. like Xerxes mm -hmm. and Leonidas confronting each other. Like, if you go back and look at the movie, you can. This is pretty much the storyboard for those scenes, right? Yeah. Um, right. So, so he storyboards them himself by just cutting up the pages from the comics. I mean, it's just... <laughs> uh, he's a literal guy. He takes what it is and makes it into the film, but he doesn't always get the tone right. But I feel like 300 was a win. I, it's not one I often watch and rewatch, but I feel like it's the closest adaptation he's ever done successfully. Before, before we go on to the next one, I, I want to stay in the Frank Miller camp. And talk uh, about that's City. the next one on my list. Okay, good. Good. Sin, City? Sin, Sin City. Sin City is yep. eight adaptations. The in first one, one movie. The first one. Okay. Yeah. I don't know, but yes. I think I think the second one does not hit the mark like the first one did. Right. But you have the hard goodbye, a dame to kill for, big fat kill, that yellow yep. bastard, family values, booze, broads, and bullets, and Helen back. I mean, all those stories kind of wrapped into a, a neat and, and the look of it. Like, I don't think if you Robert Rodriguez is such a fan, but if you don't have him involved, that film never gets made. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, and case in point, if, if we go from excellent adaptation, which is I agree, Sin City to the exact same style, worst adaptation, the spirit. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, because, again, it's like it, Directors like Miller, directors like sometimes Snyder are so obsessed with the visuals that, like you're saying, Clay, they miss the tone. Right. And man, the spirit is such a miss, whereas it works beautifully here. And I agree. And I think it works beautifully here because it's Rodriguez. It's not Miller. Right. 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 So, yeah, because they're co directors uh, mm -hmm. on this. And I, yeah. mean, I mean, look at look at the yellow blood staining. Oh. Bruce Willis in this. I mean, like there's, there's just so much in this. Like I want to pick through and go like, this is a win. This is a win. This is a win. But like yeah. casting, there's, uh, there's a shot of uh, Elijah Wood. Like when yeah. you first see him and it's just like the outline and the glasses. Yeah. And the glasses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. I mean, and then the guy who does that yellow bastard and all the makeup and the heavy, like uh, he looks like he's right out of the comic. It's just done so well. So I think I think uh, what we're saying is Frank Miller comics are probably pretty good to adapt to 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 the screen if you get it visually right. If he's not a part of it, I was going to say because, then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> then then you would have to say that Ben Affleck's Daredevil was a good adaptation of a Frank Miller comic. Was it? Was it not? No. <laughs> I was mean, it, it not. It, it. I mean, it had. Oh God, that the makeup. Uh, so the good. bandages, like everything in that scene, was so goddamn. I think good getting, getting Mickey Rourke to do this character was a, yeah one of the highlights of this movie. Yeah, and this is before the wrestler, right? This is when he yeah. wasn't like he was down. Yeah, like he. This he is before this and Iron Man Two. Yeah, because he does the wrestler, and then he does Iron Man Two. Like then he kind yeah. of bounces back with this film. Um. All right. All right. Um. Let's but yeah, th those are my Zack Snyder, Frank Miller yeah. bundle. Good. Good. We got out of the Edge Lord corner and we can move on to other, <laughs> other things. Uh, 
Kyle, do you have anything sure. you want to? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to go straight on with Alan Moore um, from from his 80s for the man who had everything, Justice League Unlimited. Yes. yes. Oh, that's a great one. That's on yeah. The as well. And it's solid. Two and a half hours. It's only a half hour. Right. Yeah. Right. That is yeah, one that, of the. Oh, that's a really good one. That one, yeah, it's just yeah. what no. I mean, I mean, the only thing they really changed up in the whole damn thing was there's no Robin and the presence they bring for him. But other than that, it's like it's everything. They go to the fortress. Superman's got the black rose on his chest, and they had to take on Mongol. It's like it's it's just an awesome story. And then when 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 they wake Superman up and he realizes I'm about to lose my son and Krypton, he, he you hear him just oh. go Mongol, and he, he just tears into the asshole. It's just like oh shit. man, yeah, that yeah. is so good. If I'm not mistaken, that is one of the things that Alan Moore actually credit. Like he put his name to, like when the when they adapted. Oh, it. interesting, interesting. Wow. I know he doesn't. I know he didn't do a lot of dealings with DC afterwards or or whatever. But yeah, this is one of the things that he was like, sure, yeah, this is. I mean, this is. I mean, a great. Even even you can find any any collection that has Alan Moore collection has this story in there. Yeah, yeah, and it's a good. It's a great story. Like just a. Really cool. Just I think it's just one annual, right? Yeah, yeah, just one annual. It's it's fantastic. I agree. That was definitely it's also like a prestige list. format, isn't it? Like a little thick, uh, thicker so. book. There we go. Oh yeah, go. yeah, that'll be in there. Oh yeah, it's the first. It's the first story, I believe. Yeah, it is. I mean, we could break <laughs> down those Justice League cartoons and and tell you what to read for that issue. That one's actually a perfect adaptation. But there are some others that are in there that are pretty good. But that Justice League show was but fantastic. This is, this is the the almost page for page adaptation. Every, every everything else in that in that series is, you know, it's it's based on something, but not as closely as this is. Yeah this this episode is pretty much like this is the comic. Like yeah, right. I agree. I agree. Um, all right. Is it back to me? I think back to you. Uh, so I do want to give a shout out to a few people. Uh, Mike responded as well with Sin City. Mike, who was on here a few weeks ago. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, I think, and also, and in, in my when I tweeted out like about you know giving us some feedback, I made a I put a kick-ass gif on there because I think nice. the at least the first kick-ass movie yeah. very much um, adapts the comic very well. Uh, because I have actually read that comic, so I was like, "Oh, this this will work," you know, and something I can actually chime in about. Uh, so that was really really fun. Uh, a lot of people had thoughts about Watchmen and <clears throat> uh, Sin City. Uh, a lot of people were yelling about Scott Pilgrim. Now I haven't read the series, uh, but I've seen, you need to I've seen the movie. Well, I mean, I guess I don't because I watched the movie. Yeah, no, I need to watch. No, no the series the series is very different. Yeah, it is. Yeah. it is. When you get to the end, it's very different from the movie. Really, um, the only thing the only, only thing it really is the same is his his love interest, and then him taking on the seven deadly exes. Outside of that, the way it kind of goes through mm-hmm. is different in the book. Yeah, yeah, but I like that that core element. Like, like uh, yeah. Edgar Wright just took it and adapted it for film with the video game theme that just pays off and works. Yes. Yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. I put it down as one of the adaptations I love just because it, it uses the original art. It stays true. I mean, Scott Pilgrim's kind of a dick for, you know, he's dating an underage girl. And so that's your hero. So you're already in a weird area anyway. It's a complex story about a guy who just can't figure his own shit out. Mm-hmm. I mean, am I wrong? No, no, you're right. I think, 
I think there were a lot of that, a, a lot of those stories in the late '90s where it was like uh, he, that was indie comics. Then it was just yeah. dudes who were like, "What the fuck?" I don't, you know, trying to figure their shit out and doing comics about it. In that box same office, vein, Poison's a great example. Uh, Ghost World. Have you guys read and or watch Ghost World? Ghost World's my number one pick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. It's you know, and it's so funny because. You take the two films he made based on books. Ghost World's fantastic. Art School Confidential is awful. No, <laughs> like, it just, no kidding. Like, how, how are these so different when you're using, right. in many ways, kind of the same type of source material? Yeah. So just, just watch the first 20 minutes of Art School Confidential, and it's great. And then stop and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, having been to art school, oh having been to art school, the first 20 minutes of that movie is art school. It's really good. And that's basically what the comic is. And then it just it gets weird. It's like, I, I don't know if he felt like he had to do something to tie it together or what, but there you go. I have uh, I have two other, I think, really good adaptations. All right. All right. One is. um Oh god, I just blanked on it. Um, <laughs> shit. Um, you want me to take over because I could talk about Ghost World. No, no, I've got, I've got, I've got one more. Um, and I've only seen the first film, but the live action film adaptation of Twentieth Century Boys. Oh, is really it. good. It's it's on my Plex server, so go go check it out. Um, yeah, it's, it's really really good, and it um it takes a story that you know in the the manga is pretty down to earth. You know, it's not like, well, it starts off pretty down to earth. I mean, like just case in point, the opening of the movie is this entire sequence. Okay. <laughs> I love that book. Yeah. So, um, uh, Oh, uh, and American Splendor. That was what I was trying to think of. Shit. Um, That's the one I forgot about. That's yeah, cool. it is an amazing, amazing adaptation. And one that, again, like, it's not just recreating what the comic does. It takes the core conceit of the comic and and the creator and his story and kind of mashes it together in, I think, a really brilliant way. Yeah, there's even a scene in there where the actors who are playing the characters are in the back at craft services while yes. the, real, the people they're portraying are in the front. And yes, it's a very meta scene, but you see them yeah. interact, so you could see that they're really doing a great job yeah. of playing these two people. But I forgot about American Sp That's an, an adaptation of Our Cancer Year? Uh, it does, yeah. It's like some of the earlier American Splendor stuff and then uh, Our Cancer Year. Okay, because so. yeah, I have Quitter, which is one of the later books that was never adapted, but it's another great uh, story by him. Yeah. Yeah, because and I feel like after the movie came out, the next book he did was actually not about him. It was uh, it was like his friend that came back from the war. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It's got it's such a good it's such a good movie. If you've never yeah, seen you're, American Splendor, you're never going to find a more independent comic than American Splendor. That, yes. was a, that, that was a guy. I mean, and if you watch the movie, you know, he he is very like excited about the medium he wants to tell his stories but he's a clerk he's an office clerk 
You know, mm -hmm. that's his job to just get through life. And he's very miserable. And but he wants to tell a story like you're watching a guy struggle to tell his art in in this art form that he loves. Like, you know, even Richard or uh, Robert Crumb is like uh, in the film because he they're like friends <laughs> and exchange artwork played by Dr. Venture. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But American Splendor is, 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 is a fantastic film. All right. Yeah. Read it and watch it. Um, I'm going to throw it to Kyle because he sent a message through the, I, I think it's a decent oh, one. Sorry. I, I think it's, like I said, I always say it's 30 minutes too short, but I think out of all the DC anime stuff, uh, new frontier was a decent, uh, yeah. Anime. Yeah. That is a great one. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's very faithful in both uh, art style and mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the actual story itself. I think they make a few changes to kind of make it fit, but it's nothing that that would really change the story. Uh, right. It goes back and takes place around the same time period that the original comic does. Uh, so I definitely and then, agree. And, then they, and then they had that end where they had that speech. Was it from Kennedy or kind of or yeah it, yeah. When they acknowledge the Silver Age, like, you know, the Titans and Supergirl and everybody else and just and the Legion of Superheroes just kind of emerge. It's just. Yeah, it's wild to have a president kind of acknowledge that in the speech. It's it, it, I really love the adaptation just because it took the Darwin Cook art and made it live. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and in that in that same vein, uh, it's my next thing, uh, because sometimes it's hard to adapt some of these things. But I think uh, DC really nailed it when they adapted to live action. And actually, it, it takes two movies because it's a pretty long story. Oh, uh, Dark Knight Returns. Uh, I think both of these just, they're almost like, it. I think the art obviously is not, it doesn't look like Frank Miller art. Right. But other than that, like this is the same story. You still get some of those like graphic beats, especially towards the end with the fight. Like, like all the main points, like the story with the Joker, uh, the the thing with the mutants meeting Carrie Kelly, like all that stuff. It's all everything is in there. Um, so I think as as much as this is, and, and like I said, I think other unless you really need that Frank Miller art, uh, it even opens the same way. Like the opening sequence is the same, just Bruce in the car. Uh, you know, like, are you trying to kill yourself or whatever the case? So I think out of the animated stuff, uh, I was I was hesitant when they said they were going to adapt it. I felt a little better when they said it was going to be two parts because I was like, I've read this book, even though it's only three issues long. They're like four. super extra. Uh, yeah, four issues long. It's They're still extra long prestige size uh, issues, right? Yeah. So it's not it's not the. Uh, it's not as easy. You're right. I, I I always forget that there's the Superman stuff at the end, uh, and and like the comic. Well, I guess the original comic didn't really do this, but this movie kind of does leave it kind of open a little bit to like, uh, there probably there's probably more afterwards. I know the the comic. No, the comic does. It, it does, but I feel like it's more vague about it. Like like mm. you know, because only Superman kind of hears the the heartbeat at the, the heartbeat. end. Yeah. Yeah. Where the movie feels a little more explicit, I don't know if they wanted or maybe do more after that. It, it's always weird with the animated stuff because it feels like they're always trying to lead you to the next thing, even if it's not fully connected or whatever. This so. doesn't need a next thing. That's what they don't I, understand is like certain things are standalone. Like you yeah. can't build a franchise over a movie called I Am Legend where the guy dies. Like. <laughs> You know, and that's like what Warner Brothers is trying to do. And like in Dark Knight Returns, like the end is the end. That's it. This is the end. Oh, mama. 
Uh, sorry, I got distracted looking at some stuff on eBay. Uh, Batman. Oh, shit. Oh, look at these. Nine I already have fours. them. Holy again. shit. How much is that going for? $715. Damn. Wow. Um, and you can't even read them. You really can't. I, I already own all these, so I don't need to buy this, but it's nice that they're slab. Yeah. Um, so but is the... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, the slab in comics is probably... A uh, topic for a different episode but yeah go ahead josh sorry well so would you guys say because i feel like i'm the only one like picking worst adaptations would no, you say I have the a list oh do you is the worst dc animated adaptation killing joke yes yes <laughs> yes that's, uh, that's, that's the main thing i put on my list no i would say <laughs> injustice that's oh, really? also pretty bad Oh, I haven't seen Injustice. So. I guess killing, killing Joke at least stays tr like a little more true to the story. Injustice just takes it to like, what the fuck are we even watching? But yeah. Batman and Batgirl hooking up is weird. It's weird. Again, it's, it yeah. happened in, in the animated series, so you know, I, I can let it go. I can't. Sorry, yeah. As I, can't, I can't. I can't. <laughs> Azarello, that's a miss because he wrote that script. Uh, so that that's a miss for me. Um. Uh, I do have one more thing, and this may be a little more controversial. Uh, I think the animated Spider-Man series did a great job adapting the Clone Saga. I was going to ask if they adapted the Clone Saga. They did. Did it? Did it? Did it take place over eighteen years? Um, they didn't. They didn't. No, they adapt. What they tried to do adapt was the Secret Wars, which was horrible. No, I'm pretty sure there's a whole clone thing that because no, the, clo the clone talk basically after Secret Wars, they, the last two episodes deals with basically a symbiote, a carnage and infected Peter Parker is about to destroy the world, and so they bring in different versions of Peter Parker from the multi from the Spider Verse to help stop it, and so that basically Peter from the normal Spider uh, animated universe is the one who's supposed to lead it. But we get Ben Riley, uh, Scarlet Spider, we get Spider Man with the eight arms, we get Spider Man who's like created who has no powers but basically creates his own suit of armor. And we have a billionaire Spider-Man who basically is like uh, Bruce Wayne, but has the, is wearing the uh, silver armor that he created to take on Electro. I very clearly remember Ben Riley showing up, and also yeah. Mary Jane becoming water. Yeah, because she, she basically it's a copy of uh, uh was uh who was it, it was the uh, Jackal. It wasn't the actual Jackal, but it was the uh, the the Doctor who was the Jackal. Yeah, basically made a carbon copy of her from uh, uh and I think it was also Hydra Man. Because she dated Hydra Man for a little bit in the thing, and that's basically after she just uh, basically disappears. Madam Web pulls him in mm -hmm. with the Beyonder to do the Secret Wars. They bring in the Fantastic Four, Storm, Iron Man, and Captain America to take on the the bad guys. And then the last two episodes deals with uh, him having to stop his evil self, and, and that last two parter. It's, yeah. it's basically the the, the, the Spider Verse before we ever even had the Spider Verse. Yeah, but but I mean, it feels I don't know. I always remember that one being uh, pretty. I don't know. It feels to me like it was good. Oh, well, I guess better oh, nice. than the Clone Saga. Um, now, one thing a lot of people responded to was uh, the Spawn animated series on HBO. Oh. But I haven't read enough Spawn comics to know if that's, that's the case or not. No, no. Um, I might have gone different. Not Spawn. Uh, uh, the Max. Yeah, I was about to bring up the Max. Yeah. A few people mentioned the Max, yep. too. Um, but I, I, I've neither read nor seen the Max, so I don't I was not able to judge, but I did write it on the notes, like in case you guys brought it up. In a lot uh, of ways, it was almost like they just took the comic panels and put it to animation. Yeah, but I mean, but in a way that wasn't not, not, not like bad, not bad. a motion comic, you know, yeah. like it was. I mean, it it yeah. Um, 
I mean, honestly, when the whole image revolution began, the Max was like the only comic I liked of that whole original generation because oh, it was no, all no. just Savage. It was all pretty. It oh, okay, sorry. Savage I did was fun. Yeah, I did like that too. Those were the only two: Savage Dragon and Max. So, um, and then and then for a very brief period, Bone. <laughs> so. <laughs> I've never seen the the Savage Dragon animated show, but I haven't either. Oh, I've got a good one, a really really good one. Yeah, the Tick animated series. Oh yeah, that was pretty great. I mean, it's not a direct adaptation of the comics, except when it is, like when they go to the superhero club. But I mean, but for the most part, it's like it just it takes what makes the Tick so great. And then just somehow like just runs with it in ways that are just genuinely funny. So well, it's the voice acting. I mean, that's what it is really, the voice acting. Yeah, they they nailed it with the tick. And also, I'm the Midnight Bomber. He who bombs at midnight. <laughs> what what about the the, the, the tick TV shows? Stick pretty close to. Um, I uh, like the original live action one quite a lot, even though it got cut short. Um, I, I have had a really hard time with the Amazon one. Um, I, I don't know why I just, I have, so. Yeah. I don't know. Because I, it, it wasn't Patrick Corbin. Kind of. <laughs> but Peter Serafinowicz is still really good in that role. Like he's, he, he plays, I don't know. Like I, he plays that type of character pretty well. I feel like, um, it I just don't know but, why it doesn't work. It just doesn't feel like you're in that world. There was something in the first episode where they had to give Arthur that really tragic backstory that yeah. just, I mean, it immediately put me off because the, the thing about the tick is it's not tragic. It's, I mean, the tick is the embodiment of just like, like joyful hubris. I mean, yeah. just, you know, and so, yeah, it was, it was a weird, a weird decision to make. So, um, I, I have one more too that I think it's really faithful and overall I, I think I enjoyed both the, the comic and but you guys may disagree uh, M. Night Shyamalan's old uh, that's based uh, on a comic? that is based on a comic called Sand I did Castle. not know that Sandcastle oh. by uh, Frederick Peters and Peter Oscar Levy uh, and I think this. like after I watched the movie I was like wait this is the same thing same reaction I was, this is based on a comic let me go check it out and I read the graphic novel Sandcastle. Uh, the graphic novel is obviously better because, but, but the comic is very faithful. Where it's pretty much almost kind of the same, uh, I would say, approach that Sex Snyder took. Where it's like, yeah, this is gonna be pretty much like shot by shot, story by story, and then I'm gonna change the ending a little bit because this is M Night Shyamalan, so he has to. Make it. <laughs> I gotta in twist the, it in more. The, in the, in the comic, you never you never get an explanation of what's going on, but in the movie you do, and that's really the only difference, right? Hmm. Um, but I, like I said, if you're a Shyamalan completionist, you probably have to check this out. But if you haven't by this point, um, I don't know. He gets a bad rap, but like I like about half of his movies. So except. <laughs> The last year of Unbreakable is a fucking great comic book movie. Well, oh, it is. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's without, without any source material. Yeah. Yeah. 
But then you have the last Airbender. Like I, I love how we can we can take a single director and have a great adaptation and the most abysmal adaptation. He only wrote the last Airbender, right? I don't think he directed. No, he directed. He directed. It. He turned it into a bullshit piece of crap. Yeah, I, don't know. <laughs> I was waiting for Kyle's anger. He took. He went into a a, a great story and basically said, "Well, there's nothing about this franchise that says anything's supposed to be Asian." Fuck you! Everything about this says it's supposed to be Asian. The creator, the fucking names, the fucking martial arts, the goddamn world, and you fucking took it and butchered it, oh. you piece of shit. Okay, I'm done. Give in to your hate, Kyle. Oh my god! <laughs> this is like ah, he, I mean, he took one of the greatest animated series in the last fifteen years and just went, oh, let's let's whitewash everything and making this little piece of shit and film. It's like, oh my god, how did you even get to be a director? Wow, it feels like the internet came alive. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, I don't like that movie either. But it, that's the reason I don't talk about it. <laughs> Um, and, then, and then, of course, right. you got James Cameron, who's got to steal the name so he can't call it Avatar. It's like, fuck you and your fucking Smurf franchise. You know, it's taking you 15 <laughs> years to, to get second film out. Oh, I feel the hate. Join oh. <laughs> the dark <clears throat> Oh, my God. It's I, so good. I know you guys have a few things you hate, so we'll get to that to close off. But I, I have oh. a list of things. And I just want a quick touch, like, is this good or not? Uh, because I pulled a list from Poe. Popoptick.com, whatever. They have 50 greatest adaptations. They put in uh, The Adventures of Tintin. I've never oh. watched a Tintin comic. I've never watched Actually, it. yeah, no, that is a really good. I, I forgot about that one. That is good. Uh, and oh, it's, it, it's worth it. It's good. I'm not saying it's not. Yeah, I just never thought. One thing I wanted to clarify is we didn't do manga or anime because I feel like that's its yeah. own thing. That's too much we'd have to go through to even try to see. Yeah, I mean, every, pretty much every manga tries to remain super faithful, unless the manga has it, unless the anime surpasses, like it moves ahead Dragon of Dragon Ball, right? Naruto, One Piece. Yeah, uh, Full Metal Alchemist did his whole, like, they wrote a whole new ending and then they, re they redid the anime with once the manga was actually done. <laughs> I also have here B for Vendetta. Uh, I don't know if you guys think that's. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. Why would I mean it's okay? Hang on, let me backtrack that a bit. As a film, it's not too bad, but as an adaptation, it's not great. If you, if of all the Alan Moore adaptations, it's the most faithful, right? Okay. But it still doesn't achieve what the comic does. Right. So, uh, I have the the Hellboy movies, but I don't know what stories they're pulling from, so I, I don't. Yeah, it's hard Although, to say which specific one. The last movie, the 2016 one, I did read. That's pretty much everything from. I think it's volume three of Hellboy. Uh, well, and it pulls from one too, doesn't it? I think uh, it pulls from volume one. I know, like I've the read whole. It. Okay, yeah, yeah. Whatever volume pulls from, I know I've read it. Um, what about the Crow? I've never seen the Crow, and I feel like I that, should. Maybe that's, you've that's never seen the Crow? Yeah, it's on the list. I would honestly, I feel like the film version of The Crow is better than the comic. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I mean, the it, it carries dark tones and, and dark looks, but the film like pays off in such big ways that the motion captures it way better than the comic does. It gets the gritty, dark look so good. And just Eric Draven, man, he just, that whole Eric Draven look, like they yeah. tried to recast that role. He never looks as much as like the character as when Brandon Lee played him. 
All right. Uh, real quick, uh, Flash Gordon, the movie. Uh, it's a fun it, film, but I, don't know, I wouldn't call it a great adaptation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's fun, but you're not going to go rush out and read Flash number okay. one. No. Now, what about, have you guys seen Blue is the Warmest Color? No. Horror no. I didn't realize those were based on comics. I didn't realize that either until I saw this <laughs> list. They also have Barbarella. Oh, um, I would say Barbarella is probably a pretty good adaptation. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, yeah. And, and let's see. I'm trying to move quickly to this list. A History of Violence is one of the reasons I want to read it because I know that's based on a comic. And it's Same. a Cronenberg film with uh, Viggo Morton. So, um, also, Snowpiercer is on the list. I haven't seen, I've read, I've watched the movie, uh, but I've never read the French graphic novel it's based on. Yeah, I've I never read it. Uh, what about it's the gotta be dark. Movie? I think we're about to get into some of those nighty pulp movies that Josh loves. Uh, starting with maybe Dick Tracy, which maybe he doesn't love as much. I know. I just, I just rewatched it. It's, it's a fun movie. It's, I mean, I, I think when it came out, it came out right in the aftermath of Batman '89, and people were expecting dark and gritty. Revisiting that movie, it is beautifully shot, and um. I don't know. I, I enjoyed it, and I'd say it's a pretty, pretty faithful adaptation to a certain. I mean, point. just the look, the adaptation yeah. of every bad character into makeup yep. and work on the screen is fucking fantastic. What about uh, the Phantom with Billy Zane? I like it. Is that is that is that is that? Do you know if that's from a specific I, story? I don't think so. I think it's just based on. I think okay, yeah, it's just based on the on the character. Yeah, Which feels, feels the same way with the shadow. Yeah. The shadow, all right, I will say the shadow does something really interesting. What the shadow does is it because the radio series and the pulp novels are very different yeah. and it takes both of those and kind of mashes them together. So you have like the, um, uh, you have him playing sort of the character from the radio series. You have the love interest from the radio series. You have the cab driver from the radio series but like the the opening scene of that is very not directly but very similar to the opening scene of the first book mm -hmm. uh, i think i've read the first five books so um yeah. it's it's good i i like the shadow so now i wanted to i i thought about this and i was like does should i include uh the winter soldier or not i feel like that one has a lot of things that it does pull from the brubaker story Right, but because of the bigger the bigger Marvel MCU picture, well, uh, I it, mean, it strays a little bit. If we're gonna yeah. do that, can we can we can we technically count the second Raimi Spider Man film? Well, and that's why I didn't oh. put, that's why I didn't put ended up not putting it on my list. But I thought about it. I'm just kind of going through which Sam Raimi Spider Man is also on this uh, list. Second, and second I, one, yeah, I agree. I think the second one, but but I'm trying to think of what the story like. What? Yeah, what's the story that pulls from? Is it? Spider-Man giving up. Like, remember, he, there's that scene when he puts... Oh, the, the no more uh, Spider-Man. Oh, okay. no yeah. Yeah, the no more yeah. uh, Spider-Man. I, I, no I, I listed out performances in bad films that we should still watch. Like, New Mutants isn't a perfect adaptation of The Demon Bear, but Anna Taylor-Joy playing Magic is yeah. fucking on. I mean, like, she nails that character in every way, and it's worth watching that film just to see her. And I'll say, I'll say Wolf Spain as well. I mean, she does a good job as Wolf Spain. Uh, I'm, I'm well, sorry, and, I can't remember the actress's name from uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, Maisie, uh, Maisie Williams. Maisie yeah. Williams. 
Now, the number one movie on their list is Old Boy, the the um, the Korean film, not huh. not Spike Lee's. Which not Spike Lee's. I watched Spike Lee's. I haven't watched the original one because we we were still getting around to going back to do Old Boy. Yeah, um, from a while back. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this one also kind of feels like falls into the manga trope a little bit because it's just a live version of the manga. But it is different. It is uh, the manga's uh, six issue or eight issues and has a different ending and more characters tied into it than the film does. Okay. All right. Uh, do you guys have anything else before we start dunking on some stuff? I know you guys have a few things that you want to. Oh, uh, I, I mean, I want to talk about Ghost World more just because Dan sure. Klaus, sure, Dan Klaus wrote a lot of yeah. vignettes about these young girls oh. that was transformed into a story with Steve Buscemi at the core of it that just is the perfect comic book movie. Like wow. that is the perfect adaptation for me, even though the stories are all vignettes and by themselves in the book. Uh, they still show up on the screen. They still, I mean, the moments of them in the diner drawing, they show all the drawings, everything kind of pays off. And uh, I just love that film. That film's like a picture of a time period in America. That's that that's just unbelievable. And having those two commentary on it is great. I got to bounce. Okay. All right. Later, Kyle. Oh, later, Kyle. Yeah. All right. But I, um, I, so I have seen ghost world and clay, I'll tell you this. Uh, I hate the main character. Enid? I don't like her at all. Um, yeah. And that's I think kind of a Dan Krause thing. I think You're... that's supposed to be the case. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You're never uh, really supposed to like... You should go read like a Velvet Glove cast in Iron. You will hate everybody in that book. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think... I, think Enid, you know, I don't know. Enid I don't know if may I or may not die at the end. Yeah. Yeah, there's... There's definitely things there, uh, but I think it's great. It's nice. It's funny to see Scarlett Johansson as a small child. Well, she's playing out. at 15. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, from, from what we, I guess it hasn't been that long. It's from the late 90s, so I guess it's not terribly old, but it feels like it's been forever. Yeah. I mean, we're, um, we're, we're getting up into the, like, it's 2001. 20 years. Yeah. So it's yeah. been 20 years. I want to drop two other just small notes. Uh, sure. The Walking Dead episode one and two is fucking spot on. I mean, yes. Frank Darabont doing The Walking Dead nailed everything about that show in the first two episodes. And then it just changed from there. It, it really went a different way, but I agree with you. Uh, there's a lot of like, throughout the whole show, there's a lot of things that like, oh, look, this is a panel from the comic, right? Like when Abraham yeah. and the gang show up. Yeah. Uh, but but they change the story so much. Uh, some of the the folk, the characters they focus on, it's very different sometimes from the comic. Somebody also threw out the suggestion of Invincible. Uh, oh. it's very it's very close to the original material, even if it's rearranged a little bit. The, the things that the way it happens, uh, which I definitely agree with. From because I read volume one and two of Invincible, which kind of covers the first season. Um. And I think that's all the shadows we got and from other people. But what was it? Do that, one more? Yeah, Constantine. The Keanu oh, yeah. adaptation of Dangerous Habits by Garth Habits, Ennis, yeah. Uh is I would I wouldn't say perfect because you know, if you wanna if you wanna get down to the details of Constantine, you can say, well, he's not British and blonde and all that. Yeah. But the story still has some of the greatest panels of uh, Constantine flipping off um mm -hmm. uh Who's the angel of that? That's in there, Galadriel. Yeah, 
as he's being pulled away. There, there yeah. are just moments in there that really pay off. It is. It, no, he's he's looking off Satan. Yeah, okay. it's Satan. Satan. Yeah, yeah, okay. He, I thought it was an angel he, for some reason. No, because he thought he had him, and then he finally, you know, like God is like, all right, fine, come up or whatever. So, yeah. Um, that 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 movie gets a lot of hate for no reason. I feel. Uh, I, I agree. It was an early DC movie that got the dirty, gritty Vertigo right. Well, and just. I will never forget going to see it. And, you know, I was reluctant because it's Keanu and, you know, whatever. But when I realized they were doing Dangerous Habits, I was like, what a ballsy ass story to convert into a movie to introduce a character that most people do not know. Wow. And and they did a fantastic job. I like that movie. I really I do not have any qualms about it. Um, right. Even with Keanu. So, yeah. And I have yeah. like two other performances from bad films that I still think people should check out. In addition to Anna Taylor Joy, Thomas Hayden Church as Sandman. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you go to the Sandman, or he just kind of plays a sympathetic villain. That I think yep. that if he doesn't work it well in that film, you won't, see, you don't see him in No Way Home. Yeah, like in No Way Home, he's the exact same thing, and he pulls it off, and it just it works really well. And Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone don't get enough credit for kind of carrying Spider-Man in yeah. Spider-Man 2. Their relationship and their chemistry is the only thing in that film that really works. And I still think it's worth seeing just to see those two. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, Oh, in sorry. That same, in that same vein, um, um, I think uh, the, ah, oh, shit, I, I just lost. Go ahead, Josh. I'll, I'll come back to it. That's all right. Well, I, I, and I was going to say, to the same point about uh, Hayden Church's Sandman, and that's why he's in No Way Home, that relationship gets resolved in No Way Home, right? When yeah. he saves uh, MJ. It's like, you, and, and you feel it. I mean, God, I was tearing up at that yeah. moment. It's just like, oh, God, it just, it hits you so hard. Um, um, all right. Uh, yeah, the, okay, I, I remember what I was going to say. The, the, in the same vein, I think uh, the fight between Punisher and the Russian from Thomas Jane's uh, The Punisher that's yeah. straight out of the comics, and I would have, I would have maybe a terrible adaptation. That. It's a bad adaptation because they changed the bad, the villain from Ma Nyucky to the to John Travolta, Travolta, which doesn't make sense. They said they changed the setting to move it down to Florida for some reason. Yeah, because uh, when I think Punisher, I think palm trees. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but but that fight is almost like it almost feels like panel for panel from the comic. Uh, Kevin Kevin Nash as the Russian, like he really looks like the character. He looks like it. That's the really the only thing that kind of works in that yeah. whole film is the so, Russian. Scene. So there, there's little bits I think in a lot of movies and stuff that, and and that gets more into the Easter eggs versus the faithful adaptation from the the main premise of this episode. But yeah. I think we covered a, a wide span. Uh, was there anything you guys anything you guys wanted to, before we move on to the recommendation and close out? Can I, I, I've got, I've got two, two adaptations forthcoming I'm excited about. Oh, sure. And I, and I'm curious which way they're going to land. Morbius One too. is, <laughs> yes. No. Still Morbin. What, what is still Morbin? Morbin time. Let's Morbin go. time. Um, one <laughs> is Ms. Marvel, which oh, yeah. everything I keep reading about is despite the fact they're changing her powers i've been reading more and more about how they're trying to be so faithful to the original run of the comic and i love that run and if they can capture that in the show i think it's going to be just blow your socks off great um 
The other one is the upcoming Sandman. And just seeing that first trailer and how they're really running with like, I mean, I think they're doing the first two books and if they can pull it off, it's going to be fascinating, right? Really fascinating to see this on screen. That's some heavy horror in those first two books. It is. And then it just shifts tone throughout the rest of the I know. I know. It's like, and and so I'm I'm kind of curious if they're gonna use because to me like the linchpin moment in, the, in those first two volumes is the story with death. So if they can use that to kind of bridge the two stories, and because that's really the first story that alludes to what the rest of the series is going to be like, right yeah. after the first two volumes. So I don't know. I'll be really intrigued to see how that comes off. But yeah. Uh, the last thing I want to throw out there, and I know I wasn't super faithful in season one, but I think after that, Preacher got a lot more close to the books. It did. Season two was really was a lot closer to the books. Yeah, I'm not yeah, saying because it's season good. one was supposed to be a prequel type, like a before yeah. issue yep. one. Yep. I don't feel like the relationship between um, the preacher and uh, oh, Tulip. Uh, Tulip Tulip was as good as it was in the comic and that's what really broke it the show for me because they had this relationship as children they had this backstory that wasn't in the books yeah uh and i felt like that kind of disturbed it a little bit you know they still wanted to say until the end of the world was like their relationship thing because like that's kind of what they were going through but the end of the world just didn't work in them having this childhood romance i think i think just didn't like it the art, the art space story is a little bit different too, right? I think they changed. Oh, it's very different. Yeah, but I like yeah. it. I thought it was interesting. It was uh, the inclusion of certain characters from historical characters. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Uh, it's in the same vein of the boys, which is why I'm loving the show too, because like they're just kind of going. They're taking the like, uh, and it, both of these are Garth Ennis, so it makes perfect sense. I was gonna say we've done a lot of Garth Ennis today. Uh, so yeah, I think it's. Well, sorry, as I say, it's kind of like, I think a a lot of the things we liked about certain adaptations is it's not, it's not a Snyder panel for panel. It's taking the core tone and essence of something and making something kind of new with it. Right. And preacher, give or take. I mean, again, I think once I got into the rhythm of the first season and realized, okay, we're not just getting the comic. I got into it more and more. Um, again, to me, the scene that nailed that first season is just when when um, Cassidy and uh, and Preacher realize that if they keep killing the angels, they keep coming back. And you just yeah. get this like hotel room just piled up with angel bodies. And that's where I was like, oh, they get it. Okay, they, they get it. This is what Preacher is always about. It's about over-the-top violence that makes you laugh. And yeah. all right, I'm in. So, yeah. All right. Um, cool. Well, that's that's the episode uh, for our audio listeners. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast on all these platforms. Thanks to the Geek Collective for having us on their channel. Thanks for joining us. You can find Next Issue on Twitter at Next Issue Pod, on Twitch at Next Issue, and on Facebook at Next Issue Podcast. You can find Clay on Twitter at Clay underscore Harrison. Kyle at Kylepedia, Adrian at Adrian underscore Harry, Daniel at Echo Spider, and Josh at Cosmosis. Hail Bebo.